and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. We are here in mid-September, specifically the 22nd night of September is when we're recording this, not to be confused with the 21st night of September. Do you remember? From the Earth, Wind, and Fire song. But it's, it's September. We got a lot of big news this week. We had a PS5 showcase last week. We had the big Microsoft and Bethesda news, and we got our first peek at WandaVision. Uh, I guess first extended peek. I'm sure we got some tiny snippet of it before but this was the first time we got a real look at what the show is is going to be or at least what we can discern it will be so lots to talk about we should kind of we, we are going to kind of drive by i mean we tend to talk i don't know we talk about the oscars on this show i know that i don't know how much we talk about the emmys but the emmys also happened i will admit i did not watch i don't know about you guys but i know you guys are, are fans of Shit's creek which essentially cleaned up yeah, we are big fans of Shit's Creek. We didn't watch the Emmys either, but I basically just did a recap, like I do with a lot of re- award shows nowadays. I just do like the day after recap of everything and was very happy to see that Shit's Creek basically swept the Emmys. And I think it was well-deserved. If you guys have seen the show, then I think most people will agree there's just something very unique and special about it. And it was one of my sleeper hits. We started binging it early on in quarantine, and it was one of my sleeper hits that... I that's, absolutely that's fell in love with the show. That's awake at this point, I would say. My girlfriend's really into Shit's Creek. I've never watched it, but I've walked by. I'll tell you, I, I'm not. I've never watched this show, but I know who my favorite character is. Is it David? And it's no, it's um, it's the mom, and specifically, it's and I think her, is her name Moira. Uh, Moira Rose. Moira. She's specifically my favorite character when she's talking about bebés. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite Shit's Creek thing. I realize I've done something interesting here, something that's never, I think never before been done on the podcast. I didn't introduce myself. I didn't introduce you guys. I just kind of hopped in on it. So I'll take a second now. I'm Illegal86, one of your hosts, and uh, we have Nerd Bomber and Tectic here. You've heard from Nerd Bomber and Tectic, I think, chimed in there at one point. Give everyone a, a howdy ho, Ranger Joe over there. Howdy uh, ho, Ranger Joe. Yeah, Tectic once again can't follow instructions. Yeah, we're all here. We're still here. For those who have been listening for a long time, it's the same three here to talk about not just Jits Creek, but about the news topics I mentioned. And we have a very special quiz topic for later. I want to thank our, our Patreon subscribers. One of the most interesting quiz topics I think we've ever had on this show is coming up. We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get get into the choices that we gave you and what you ultimately picked and why I don't really understand it. But we'll get there. First, we need to talk about Microsoft and Bethesda. So this is a big deal for those who have not heard. I doubt we're breaking this to anyone who listens to the podcast because I think most of our listeners are are gamers. Microsoft has purchased Bethesda. Specifically, they've purchased Bethesda for $7.5 billion. I believe this broke on Monday. And Nerd Bomber took some show notes here with some perspective. Disney bought Star Wars for $4 billion and also bought Marvel for $4 billion. But Facebook bought Instagram for $1 billion and Sony bought Insomniac. That's probably the, the most closely related example for 229 million so 7.5 billion that's a lot of smackers yeah Uh, i mean mean, those numbers to me like one of the things i instantly think of is together marvel and star wars is worth eight billion dollars so basically with this purchase bethesda is evaluated to be kind of equal what both marvel and star wars was worth it's very interesting when you think about it in that context this is a testament, I would argue the latest testament, because there have been many before it, of just how big a deal the video game industry is is becoming, you know, money-wise, how lucrative it is. I mean, when you talk about the resources that go into games, like, I, I know, this, this might have been the, the Nerdbar podcast way back, we talked about Red Dead Redemption 2 and, like, how, how much money was poured into it. You know, Rockstar, I think, typically a lot of the conversations 
of this nature surround rockstar of like just how many resources go into this how big of a deal it is financially how much money grand theft auto 5 has made like it's just it's incalculable and similarly skyrim i guess in this case is probably the better example to, to mention you know obviously bethesda has control of a number of big rpgs fallout and sky and the elder scrolls franchise as a whole i have to think that with the next console generation coming up microsoft paid for the rights to those games assuming that they were going to be extremely valuable and I, and I you know my guts it's a lot of money i understand but my gut says it's going to pay off for them when you think about skyrim and just how i mean it sounds bad to say that it's a franchise that's been milked for years but like it is right like it's to me it's a step below grand theft auto 5 of like it's been this thing that's oh skyrim came out on this thing skyrim came out on this thing next have they developed a new Elder scrolls game no but here's skyrim in another version that you can have like it's just a very well i mean when the publisher is actively making a joke in an e3 panel about your game getting republished on an amazon echo device like right it just goes to show this this game alone has racked up so much money yeah it's it's nuts Let's talk about what exactly this means as far as are you team Sony or team Microsoft with regards to the new console purchase? I mean, this definitely gave me pause. So from a strategic standpoint, this was a very smart move because Xbox announced this on Monday and pre-orders for the new console went live on Tuesday. And as someone who was very much in the camp of I'm going to buy a PlayStation 5 and then hold off on Xbox until later notice, this kind of gave me pause. And I really struggled today, the day that we're recording, to not pre-order the Xbox Series X because for me, Bethesda is more than just Skyrim. You look at their portfolio, they have Arcane, they have the uh, I'm blanking on the actual developers names but they have Doom they have Wolfenstein Wolfenstein Fallout yeah I mean I got your back thank you well it's just so many titles that I've enjoyed I mean Arcane alone I think if it had just been Arcane was purchased and is now going to be under the Microsoft fold I think that alone would have given me pause because Dishonored and Deathloop looks amazing a lot of Arcane's games are some of my favorite titles and Arcane alone is enough to make me excited this is very interesting and I know they've already clarified that they will honor any exclusivity deals that they have in place so like Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop they're going to honor the exclusivity deals that they already have for the PlayStation 5 but it's unclear whether the games will be exclusive to Xbox moving forward but if you have all of these big titles you have your Dooms your Wolfensteins your Fallouts your next Elder Scrolls games all under the Microsoft umbrella or at the very least coming day one to Game Pass without you having to shell out more money that's suddenly a big feather in microsoft's cap that they didn't have before and that's massive what else is interesting too to consider about those exclusive titles is if any sequels are made it's going to be now microsoft exclusive so now it'll be incentive to jump back over to the microsoft train if you had started that on playstation so okay that that's i I was about to provide a counterpoint to nerdbomber but you made a pretty good point tactic I, i think in terms of sequels because for me and I, I'm aware that I'm a very unique case here. Like when you talk about Fallout, when you talk about Elder Scrolls, you're talking about two franchises that are a huge deal that I could care less about. I, I'm not an RPG player. So Shame. when you talk about those as, as the big things, you know, I'm fine with losing those because I never really had them. And then like Death, I was worried until it was learned that Deathloop was going to remain a PS5 exclusive. And I think Deathloop, Deathloop looks really cool. I mean, 
tactic you make a good point that if there's a sequel to that it's going to be hard to watch that come out somewhere else but which in what world does bethesda not do sequels well so another thing you have to think about too i was talking to someone else about this today and i'm not so sure it's maybe for death loop there's like there's a case to be made but in terms of fallout and in terms of skyrim i'm not entirely sure that microsoft take those takes those exclusive and risks losing half of their client base i i think we are departing the age and i could be wrong but from a financial standpoint i think we may be departing the age where you can convince someone to put down five hundred dollars to buy something just because you have exclusive rights to a certain game when there are however many games available so i agree with you that they wouldn't take away from the existing market that is say these skyrim franchise type games however with the new new titles that are coming out it now gives them leverage in the future to taketh away if they so choose yeah i know they said that they were going to address it on a title by title basis and it's really interesting to think about. I think right now in my head, there's like an 80-20 split. I think one of the big things that Xbox got obliterated with the last generation was having console exclusives. And we saw with the PlayStation 4, good games sell systems. And I, I have this feeling that if we had heard, or even when we go back and look at the Insomniac acquisition, nobody was like, oh, well, you know, Insomniac made Sunset Overdrive, so Sony's going to have to honor and try to make games like if that ever had a sequel they have to make sure that that's going to be on the xbox nobody really said that and i think it's only because so many people are on the playstation install base right now that people are like oh well they couldn't possibly think about not putting that on my console but honestly they might on the other hand if they do make it open to everybody there's still more incentive to buy into the xbox ecosystem because if you have that game now you're getting it free on game pass day one you look at what the price line has been on some of these next-gen games. I mean, it, it's $69.99 now. They're no longer $59.99 titles. They are even right. more expensive than they were before. So if you're thinking about like, oh, what's the best bang for my buck? I get to play all of these great games for free with the Xbox, especially when you're looking at all access. Man, I like it just seems like a really great deal to me. And I don't know why then I would want to buy those games on PlayStation when I'm getting them essentially free on Xbox with my subscription. Well, you have to there's a couple of things you have to remember. PlayStation has console exclusives of its own and $500 like I, I just I, I think things have changed I think like I think when the when the Xbox one came out you know I think you're right that PlayStation won because it had better games however I just don't I, I, I have such a hard time seeing Xbox say we're not going to sell PlayStation users Skyrim I mean how, how much did Skyrim alone make well I mean they're not you know, going I, to yank old titles away but new and no I'm not talking about old titles but I'm, I'm saying using Skyrim as a benchmark for what a new title for what a new elder scrolls could be and for how much how many copies it could sell so they're not yeah. gonna, they're just never going to want to cut that in half in but my nobody, opinion so much money nobody said that when playstation came out with marvel spider-man at the literal peak of marvel hype nobody but it wasn't that. a franchise it wasn't a franchise marvel but spider-man we, we was a surprise relative to skyrim see but you got to look at it like this At the end of the day, even if they didn't have any exclusive content, they now are offering free with Game Pass, whereas you'll have to pay full release price of the disc. And that's a huge move. And you're saying $500, but we also have to remember they have this $299 all digital box. And a lot of people are buying into that. I personally am not. And I know neither 
basically nobody on this podcast that likes the idea of a non-disc drive console, but a lot of people are doing that and they don't care. How much is how much is Game Pass a month again? For refresh my memory. 15. 15 a month. So for 15 a month, you're basically, I mean, you look at all of the different studios now that Xbox has under their moniker. I mean, if you, if you like Western RPGs, you have Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Avowed, Outer Worlds, Fable, Wasteland. That's just to name a few. And you're getting right. all of that for 15 a month and there's going to be a drip feed of content. So instead of paying a $70 one-time fee, you're paying $15 a month and getting all of these games for free. I, I just think it's if you don't like those games, it's not going to move the needle for you. Yeah. But if you do, like if you like Doom, if you liked Prey, if you like Dishonored, like those are the things that really draw me in more than your Elder Scrolls. Now that I'm getting older and just don't have time for the sweeping RPGs, those games... Um, they sell me. So at this point, I will say, I will, I will safely say that Xbox has definitely made the pot much, much sweeter. Between the no disc drive being cheaper, the power of the unit being better, the available content being more readily available, and so it really comes down to Ratchet and Clank. That's the thing. I mean, they're going different ways clearly right and and i do wonder to what extent this is and granted it's a much splashier move than sony buying insomniac but sony and buying insomniac probably had the same motives right of these guys are making great games for us and they're making them exclusively we want to make sure we keep it that way and i think that was that was the whole methodology behind that but sony is going for a much more traditional thing than xbox is and and i don't know maybe i'm a traditionalist i i i don't know I can definitely see the value in, like you said, the pot's been sweetened. I can see the value in what Xbox is doing. But I think this should transition us to what we're going to talk about next, which is the PS5 showcase. And I'm sorry, it was miles better than anything Xbox has shown us. It's not even close to me. And we can we can dive into this. So but hold on. I, I just want to say, though. Yeah. Everything. So you're saying that everything that was shown was miles better. And that goes back to game. Well, most a lot of the games that were shown weren't exclusives. But... The ones that really kind of blew you away were the exclusives, and that's what's selling you on the PlayStation. You said it was where... miles better. Would you say it was Miles Morales better? But they're not. But they're not exclusives from a studio that that, that Sony bought. Like I, I just, I, I don't know. I see it as diff- I see it as different things. I think. But I mean, Sony all, bought Insomniac, they're... and that Spider Man is an exclusive, and Insomniac did make a game for the Xbox that they can no longer make again but the sale the the insomniac sale happened after spider-man was done i have to think i mean i'm I'm splitting hairs at this point but i guess the point i'm trying to make is i also kind of worry on behalf of xbox fans if xbox bought this company how inclined is this company to isn't isn't there supposed to be an incentive for game console makers to go out and seek games to make exclusives so developers want to make really good games so console makers go out and say we want this as an exclusive and there's potentially some kind of bonus to that right whereas if it's all under one umbrella i worry a little bit about the quality too i don't know i don't i don't necessarily agree because you look at some of the games that are basically console sellers for sony and they're sony owned developers i mean you look at horizon zero dawn you look at god of war those are all in-house titles Mm -hmm. I, i think and you look at the cash in hand that Microsoft has, and they have some of the biggest cash flow out of any company. So I, I don't know if they're going that to buy be Bethesda too. just to cut them at the knees. I feel like they need they need games. Honestly, they need games. That said, I agree I, with you that the PlayStation conference did look great. I don't like... 
again, I feel, I feel like everyone's going to think I'm just anti-Microsoft. And it's that's not what it is. I'm anti-monopoly. And I don't... Well, I do mean the board game because I'm not a big fan of the board game either. But I, I just mean like when this much money is being thrown around, like it's my opinion outside of the Mandalorian that Disney buying Star Wars has not gone great. So n- now that we've we've waxed poetic, Nerd Bomber and I, about how well Xbox did, I just want to tell you folks out there a little story about the Sony showcase and the preceding moments that I lived afterwards. So prior to the showcase... We had both decided we're going to wait and buy consoles later on, and we're going to just put that money aside. After the showcase, Nerd Bomber was a woman possessed, and on every subreddit, every single website, and after all was said and done, we now have a PlayStation pre-ordered. So it did do very, very well. Well enough for us to make the decision to pre-order it. Not to... I feel like we took a gap in what illegal was saying and just to circle back i do agree with I think you I, I, I think i had mostly finished my thought but yeah I, it's i think exclusivity is honestly bad for all gamers like in an ideal world all games would be available everywhere and it hurts honestly it hurts as someone for me i'm planning on buying both consoles so i don't care i'm just excited that maybe right. there's more competition which might drive better games but for someone who is only planning on getting one console, it sucks getting gate kept out of a good game, especially if it's a franchise that's established that you already love. Regardless well, of whether it's a Sony exclusive or an Xbox exclusive, it kind of sucks. There. And, and you just you just said it's going to drive better games, but that's the thing that I don't know is true. I, I part of me thinks that Bethesda is going to say, okay, now we have we have our client base because Microsoft's going to back us up and and. Xbox folks are going to buy this because they're the only ones that can, so we can make whatever we want. And that's like, that's an issue for me. But it's also like, it's also just everything being under one umbrella that, that scares me a little bit. We, 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 we can move on. And yeah, I mean, we can talk, get, in, get into it on Twitter too. But this showcase, I mean, Final Fantasy 16, Spider-Man, of course, God of War Ragnarok was, was teased. This Hogwarts game, which granted not an exclusive, but holy crap, fantastic. that was a big reveal. Resident Evil Village, more footage on that. Blops Cold War, more footage on that. The Demon Soul remake, not a thing for me, but I think that excited a lot of people. So that was another one. We got a little bit more Deathloop footage, more of an in-depth look at what it's going to entail, the kind of decision-making paradigms that, that go along with the gameplay. And of course, there was the reveal of, of the prices as well, which less splashy than Microsoft in that there's no ultra-cheap option, but it's pretty much what everyone expected, $4.99 for the disk drive version and $3.99 for the digital so we can we can get into this a little bit. We can kind of get into specifics. I, you know, Spider-Man for us, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that we are big, 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 big fans of the Spider-Man game. And the Miles Morales teaser was phenomenal. I, I, I think it did a great job reminding people who played the first one just how good it was. And, and you know, the core gameplay mechanics are still there. But there was a lot of different stuff, too. I mean, we, we saw some completely new moves and I mean, if that again, that's what pushed, pushed me closest to pre-ordering. I'm not going to pre-order. I don't even know what I'm going to get the console, but if I were to get the console, it would be, I don't want to say exclusively for Spider-Man, but that's, that's a big sell for me. Yeah. That was my personal highlight. I think, I think it was pretty much all of our personal highlights, but I don't know what other high points in that trailer you wanted to, either of you wanted to touch on. I mean, obviously that was the thing after I watched that trailer, I was just like, okay, I... I'm going to pre-order. This is a thing. I want to play this as soon as this game comes out. Not knowing, of course, this 
came out in tweets after the showcase was over that the game would come to the PlayStation 4 as well. But at that point, you know, when I found out that it was coming to PS4, I, I was already sold and I was already like in motion. I'm like, I'm going to get this massive chonky PlayStation 5. I'm going to find a place for it and I'm going to play Spider-Man with ultra fast speeds and no loading screens. And this is just what yeah, I'm going to do. <laughs> Your fast travel, there's going to be no subway screens. Your fast I'm travel so time is going to be... That. If you want, I could put a paper towel <laughs> over the fan to try to slow it down. No, so I you can travel the subway. <laughs> um, right. I think Hogwarts Legacy was incredible. I know there's been a lot of bad stuff kind of surrounding J.K. Rowling and... <laughs> bad, bad press, to say the <laughs> very least. Very bad press. Um, but I do know after the trailer was revealed, and this is something that had been leaked. I know the idea of a Harry Potter RPG had been leaked a while back, but this is the first time we saw anything kind of like cohesive and put together. And the, I think WB Interactive said that J.K. Rowling, aside from whatever licensing deals she may have with WB, had no part in this game. And I understand... They want to they get distance from her as much as possible. And, and right. she's still, make no mistake, she's still making a gang of money on this. You know, if, if you are the kind of person who is really, you know, anti-J.K., which is totally understandable at this point, I, I might add, she's getting your money if you buy this game. But... It looks amazing. It really <laughs> like, does. Like this looks yeah. like everything that childhood nerd bomber wanted and dreamed about. Like all of the Harry Potter games that came out for like the PlayStation 2, they were fun, but like you relived the books and the movies and you didn't really get a chance to have your own story in that world. And that's really all I wanted. And the combat looked great. You got to ride a freaking hippogriff in the trailer. Like I am I'm so sold and I am sad that part of my money will be going to JK, but also I have to also remind myself and others that there are a lot of people who worked really hard on this game who aren't named JK Rowling. And just because she's a giant doofus head on the internet doesn't mean that all of those people don't deserve support. So like I'm hedging a little bit to try to make it okay that I really, really want this game because I really, really want this game. I just want to know how the sorting hat works. Is it like a real in-depth personality quiz? Is it you just pick what class you want and then they ingrain it into the story? It'll be a Pottermore-esque thing, I would imagine. Did you guys take the Pottermore quiz? I did, yeah. Yeah, weren't you guys Ravenclaw and I was Gryffindor? I want to say we were both Ravenclaw. Yeah, we might have done this on the the podcast or a previous podcast. I remember thinking I'm much cooler than both of you guys. Uh, Well, that's not true, but okay. Hogwarts, I mean... This is an idea. We talked about this when we... I I think Avalanche leaked footage of this. We definitely talked about this on a podcast a while back. And I think at the time what we said, which is still true now, is this is something that should have happened so long. It's a no-brainer, you know, in in terms of open-world gaming, uh, a landscape for that, you know, being at Hogwarts and being potentially beyond Hogwarts as a wizard, you know, living out your own adventures, not just the book's adventures, is... I don't want to say it's an easy thing to create, but it's... The world is so expansive and there's so much that you can do to make a great game that yeah this is going to be a big one again this is not an exclusive at least as far as as far as i could tell has it has been has it been announced either way i think it's it's, it's going to be open for all consoles yeah it'll be a big seller without a doubt whenever it comes out but i'm excited for that for sure i am not a final fantasy person i've never played a single final fantasy game but they're on the 16th one i assume is what that means ff16 so i don't know if you guys 
neither of you have experience with this was a big deal but this was lost on me i guess is, is what i'll say I mean, I thought it looked great. I've never actually played any of the mainline Final Fantasy games. I've dipped my toes in from afar with Kingdom Hearts, but that's about as far in as I got. I, I keep meaning to play Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I just haven't gotten around to it because I feel like there's just so many games all the time. And that one was like an 80-hour journey that I wasn't willing to take in the middle of the summer. But there are just so many... Like, it just looked incredible. If you like that kind of game, which I do, like, I liked kingdom hearts which is a little bit more basic but like i thought it looked really cool i don't know i'm at a point now and if there's any listener out there who can help like clue me in there are so many different final fantasy games and i don't know what's a good jumping off point i don't know if i can jump in to final fantasy 16 or final fantasy 7 like seven's I need... a good jumping off point is it yeah okay Do, have you played them tactic yeah i played them all the time with a friend of mine as a kid so were you excited about that. this? I didn't yeah, have no I, idea that you actually played these games. This is news. Yeah, I, I was excited about it. I just, I feel like I'm always saying that every game looks exciting and every game looks fun, but that's the thing about my genre is it doesn't really exist. I, I can go from a side scroller to an RPG to a puzzle game all in the same day and enjoy each and every one. Well, then let's talk about Demon's Soul, uh, the remake, because... Never mind, that one looks way too hard. <laughs> I have not... Pu- I'm not I've sold. not played Demon Soul. Yeah, that, that uh, clearly has ties to, unless I'm mistaken, has ties to like the Bloodborne's and the Dark Souls kind of games. To to say that it looked hard, I mean, it looked extremely repetitive. I was they gave they gave kind of the extended walkthrough, extended playthrough, I guess, of of watching someone play the game. I have to say, and I'm going to make people mad. I know that. I got a little bored watching this one. No, <laughs> it a, it's not bored. It's, a lot of it's strategic. Around. You have to be very careful. Because then you just restart and it's frustrating and I just, I don't have the patience. Well, I, I understand the what same you were two saying. sword swings. Yeah, it was like walk 10 feet, swing a sword and dodge. Well, but, but then every now and then there's like a crossbow guy that you got to be ready for. And then that's kind of the, the trick of the, the maps is they, they make you get comfortable and then they catch you off guard. Well, and then they, they got to the big boss at the end. And I was like, all right, that'd probably be pretty hard and pretty interesting. But in, up until now, I've seen him kill a lot of, like, armless zombies in two strikes. And then, okay, walk another 20 feet, go down a ladder, kill another armless zombie, keep going. It's just like, it was, I can imagine that kind of monotony being pleasing. But to me, and at the at the time, surrounded by what it was surrounded by, I was like, again, again, I, I think a lot of it, too, is I know people are really hyped for this. And I didn't, it's, that's another one that's lost on me. Yeah, it didn't resonate um, with me at all. Which is sad because like, it's supposed to be a launch title for the PlayStation 5. And I was kind of holding out hope. I was like, maybe this will have something in this trailer that will spark something Reed, in me yeah. that makes me want to play it. But nothing. Well, so so Deathloop for me outside of Spider-Man was the other high point. And, and that, that's it's just doubling down on what I think is going to make it so cool. You know, it's. It's not just a bi. It, I almost said Bioshocky. It's not. It's not just a dishonoredy combat game where you have these powers. And it, I mean, it's first of all, it looks a lot more shooter heavy than than Dishonored ever was. And it's uh, seems to be inheriting some of Dishonored's uh, tendencies in that it looks like there's some decision making you have to do. I mean, this this playthrough that they showed kind of walked through. Okay, you can go kill this guy individually, but then you won't have time to go kill this guy. And you want to get him in the same place at the same time. So how do you do that? You ruin this guy's scientific experiment. It's, it's kind of going into, and you, you you learn this over, I guess, 
multiple deaths, right? You, you, you try and you fail and you try and you fail and it's this iterative process. And that's appealing to me from a gameplay perspective, not, not to mention the visuals look good. The combat looked really fun. So this one's, this one's a win for me for sure. I, I would know. agree. It looks really good. Like I, I feel like this is now like the third or fourth time we've seen Deathloop footage and every time I'm just like, I am going to buy this game when it comes out because I'm, I'm just curious if it actually is a puzzle or if like there's intended deaths and then it goes, okay, now you can progress. This is what you need to do. Do you know I what really I mean? I doubt it. I feel like it's, it'll be uh, a little column A and column B. Like, I don't think they'll have you flounder over and over and over again. I'm sure they'll give you like hints or something eventually because I, I could see how frustrating it would get if you just die over and over and over and over and you can never achieve the goal that you need to do. You know what I mean? But I think I, I, it'll I, I think, it'll leave it a lot to your imagination. And, and I think Dishonored kind of struck a nice balance there. And granted, the choices in Dishonored are a lot more binary. It's basically you can you can kill someone and go violent and go you know bull in a china shop or you can go sneaky and you can kind of do things in a more finessed way and they gave you know they obviously gave you the choice and there were certain ways you could screw it up but they they definitely gave you some leeway to okay if you want to go this way we'll help you figure it out a little bit uh it might not be easiest but it'll you know it might reward you i imagine Deathloop might have a lot of that same thing going on where you know this playthrough frame framed it as okay you 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 can't you have to get these two guys in the same room to kill them. Otherwise, it's not possible. Well, it might not be that way. It might just be you can take this potential route of killing them both separately and you're going to have to do this hard thing in between or you can get them both together and it'll make your life easier. You know, stuff like that where you can never go one way and it's impossible. It's just, again, there's there's some flexibility and fluidity in, in the story as a result of choices that you make. So i'm excited about that one we, we should we should move on to the break but before we do we should mention the ps plus collection which is i mean this is a place where i can give sony no credit this is the most anemic attempt to combat game pass that i've ever seen is that, is that like that was the one part of this showcase that felt frankly silly in my opinion yeah it felt um, kind of disappointing clearly just try, them trying to answer for it and coming up with for very few games i haven't played i think days gone was the only one that i was like i haven't played this and i want to otherwise it was a lot of games that i played that were admittedly very good but they're old news like the definition of old news so it 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 didn't strike me and it was where they kind of it was their finisher before announcing the console titles which was a strange strange thing the thing that kind of got me on this too so like i've been a ps plus subscriber for man three four years ever since we got the playstation 4 for the first time and these are all titles that I've already got in my collection yeah. because they were already on PlayStation Plus. Like it wasn't like it was a big deal where a bunch of new games were coming. I think Days Gone and maybe like one or two other titles hadn't already been on PlayStation Plus as a free game. But everything else like I already had for free, so it wasn't like it was this huge perk. If you're new to the ecosystem, sure, then it's nice to have, especially with them announcing the God of War sequel. Like it it is nice to have the ability, if you hadn't played that before, to get that basically free with your PS Plus subscription. But yeah, very, as you said, a very anemic attempt at matching Game Pass. Well, and it also concerns me a lot because backwards compatibility is something at this point I feel like hasn't been talked about a lot and I'm concerned about it because now they're saying, well, you'll be able to play these PS4 games on your PS5. It's like, okay, but wasn't I supposed to be able to play a lot of PS4 games on the PS5? Like it's it's almost like they're setting you up to say, well, you have these PS4 games, go play these and be happy with that. Yeah, I know they, well, I they were saying 99% of all PlayStation 4 games should be able to work on the PlayStation 5. But yeah, it I didn't think about that, but that is kind of concerning. Yeah, my... That. 
it, granted they're tiny alarm bells but there are some alarm bells going off um with, with that in mind so that's our brief summary of the ps5 showcase we, we're going to go to the break now but before we do i want to encourage anyone who's listening to shout us sh- not shout us out uh shout out to us on our twitter accounts at ow lady six at ow nerd bomber at ow tactic and our main show account at online warriors one talk at us about the ps5 showcase the titles you like titles you didn't like tell me i'm wrong about demon souls talk to us about the bethesda sale and why i'm wrong about that to basically just come on there to tell me i'm wrong and i imagine there will be no shortage of people doing so but we want to hear from you so hit us up there aside from that before we go to the break i also want to shout out our fantastic patreon producer mr ben chackness ben here's to you man it's been many episodes of saying your name i think i'm getting pretty good at it by now but uh, let me know i guess uh ben's been supporting us on the show here for quite a while now uh, we're very grateful to him and, and anyone else who supported us on patreon over the years but but him especially our most stalwart supporter and he supports us uh, at the night level on Patreon, which gives him access to the monthly secret segment and vlog, in addition to getting him a producer shout out every episode, like this one, input into our weekly game segment, which, as we mentioned, is about, well, did I say what it's about? I don't want to spoil it. I'll leave that for later. He also gets uh, the occasional guest segment, which he's done, uh, again, quite quite a few times now. So Ben's super cool. You want to be like him. You want to be a knight. Uh, and we would super appreciate that. There's also a Squire level, which gets you monthly secret segment and vlog access, and the page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So for more details on that, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the details. Thanks again to Ben. We will be right back to talk about WandaVision. Being a nerd as an adult can be difficult. Life gets a little busy to constantly be staying up to date with nerd culture. Let's see. There's work. Life. Bills. Stress. Relationships. Kids. So you wish you could just turn something on during your hectic life that would keep you up to date at the push of a button. Look no farther than the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Tyler. Here on the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we enlighten, educate, and entertain with all things nerd. We discuss, debate, and break it down on what's going on in nerd culture from the past, present, and future. And you know the cool part? We're 30! So we bring it to you in a less hectic way and easily accessible through your favorite podcast platform. But no worries, you don't have to be 30 to enjoy the show. So relax and keep up to date with us as we bring you nerd news you need to know, but don't have time to go searching for. So come nerd out with us at the 30 and Nerdy Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you cast your pod. Cheers to you, nerds. Okay, back to talk about WandaVision. Now... WandaVision is one of those shows that Marvel, well, Disney and Marvel are making exclusively for Disney+. Plus. It is, as you can tell from the title, uh, going to feature Scarlet Witch and Vision heavily, who, as you may know from the series of MCU movies, have a romantic relationship, which is pretty interesting. This is one of, I would say, one of two big Marvel shows. I mean, there's this and in, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We haven't heard much about Falcon and the Winter Soldier at all, really. And I'm sure we won't for, for a while yet, because I think production on that one has been delayed. But WandaVision looks like something else, man. They're, they're tapping into... So if you haven't watched the trailer yet, you can go, go watch it before... Press pause on us and go watch the trailer, because we're going to be getting pretty into it. But you have this fantastical housewife like 1950s kind of situation almost like nuketown yeah or i said nuketown but that's like the opposite of pleasantville but yeah you you know an idyllic 1950s post-war america where the wife is at home you know not having any rights and cleaning and cooking and uh the vision who still looks like vision by the way uh for a lot of it 
is just kind of like i don't know being a guy in the 50s uh so there's a lot of questions a why are they in the 50s a why are they it's almost like they're trapped in a sitcom i don't know there's we see things happen in this trailer but we don't understand them i guess is is my prevailing sentiment there's a 1950s motif we exit that for someone to tell vision that he's dead which we as the viewer kind of know already if you again if you've seen the mcu movies so i think it could get pretty deep and honestly that concerns me if anything but i, I don't i mean first blush thoughts nerd bomber and tactic i mean tactic i know you're the comic guy so we'll, we'll get to you but but nerd bomber t- i mean walk us through it, your reaction to this i got initially i got vibes of like i love lucy or i dream of genie or something like that and then as you said then it it, it got into like colored vision of quote-unquote the real world or something i don't know exactly what was happening it was almost like they were trapped in a bubble or like some kind of weird government research thing and then they escaped the bubble and i i, I honestly i don't know i'm sure but they're probably dead. yeah he is dead right. so maybe it's like a mind game mental experiment on scarlet witch i feel like if i knew more about the comics there's probably some cues or something in the trailer that i'm missing super hardcore that would help tip me off so I, have a, so I have a theory, but I want to let Tectic talk for a bit and then I'll say what my theory is and see if he has the same theory, maybe. So for me, I thought it drew strong parallels from something called House of M, where basically Scarlet Witch is, has slipped into madness and you see a lot of her family, familial characters come back into that. And that's what I think I'm most excited for. And what I think is going to be these big plot points in the show i think quicksilver is going to come back because obviously in her mind he's he, he'll live on forever so it'll be mm. exciting to see him and the other thing that i think is going to be a big plot point which was a huge part of how the house of m comics is magneto is going to show up so for those of you who don't know magneto is actually the father of quicksilver I, well scarlet witch and quicksilver but it's, i think it, the verdict's out there for quicksilver but Right. All in all, he's their father. And to have him show up really kind of opens the scope of what other X-Men are we going to see? Is is there going to be some of the mutant um, plots that occurred in that comic? And, and how expansive is this universe going to be? So I'm really excited to see what more pops up as the series continues. Because I do have to just quickly say, she is going to be in the next Doctor Strange what is it? A movie, TV show? I honestly, I don't uh, know. movie. Okay, yeah. she's gonna be in the next Doctor Strange movie. So whatever this TV show is, it has to be like a self-contained thing. So Tectic, you're guessing that it'll follow this House of M storyline that's like basically an alternate reality that she's making in her head. All up in there. Illegal. What is your theory? Well, so incidentally, Doctor Strange Two is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So. There could be some ties there. I mean, you just mentioned House of M, this House of M storyline, which I, to be clear, know nothing about, as Scarlet Witch losing her mind. Well, maybe she gets lost in the multiverse of madness. I mean, that, that's one theory. My theory, the first thing I thought, Vision's entire, the source of all his powers, and, you know, the stone that's in his head is the Mind Stone. Am I right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, that's correct. The reality that's the Mind Stone. stone. No, that's the Mind, the mind stone. stone. Now, the Mind Stone, if my comic knowledge, which is sparse, serves me, houses... Is it just called the mind world or, or no, that's the soul stone. Shoot. The soul world is in the soul stone. Okay. Forget my entire theory. I was going to say they're stuck in the mind stone, but that would be the soul stone. They could be stuck in the mind stone. You can make stuff up now. It's comics. Anything can be anything. They're stuck in the mind stone and it, it means anything can happen. So the show could be really interesting. I don't know. It's, there's parts of it that are very eerie. 
you know, the part where they're at the dinner table and that guy just starts asking questions about their past that they very much can't answer, which why can't they answer? That's another question. Are they in hiding? Are they undercover? You know, they're living this suburban idyllic life. Do they just not know? Or do they not know? Exactly. But why does he want to know so bad? Because that know. guy was very vehement. He wanted to know. It seems like Vision doesn't know that he's dead. Again, it could Captain also be and- a Rick and Morty type thing. For those of you who are not familiar with what I'm talking about, there are these aliens that go into their head and give them these, these idealized situations where they make them feel comfortable and ask them questions and interrogate them to get useful information out. Could also be that. And that's why maybe he wanted to know. He was digging for information. I just think it's it's treading so close to being about death in a way that Marvel has not done. <laughs> like, and I just, I think that's very interesting. Like, you know, they talk about death in Black Panther a little bit and, you know, the Black Panther himself goes to that savannah that's got like the purple sky and stuff and talks to the old, the kings of old and everything. But outside of that, I can't think of like, what else happens in Marvel that's, I mean, these are these are comic book movies they're not they don't generally talk about that they don't they don't deal with that i mean tony, that's why stark, tony stark dying but that's that was such a big deal is because they don't go do mr that. stark that was so now was right so but but now, what i'm saying is now they're potentially poised to dig into that even further which uh, you know i think could be could be very interesting but it, it looks very strange i can't remember if the trailer itself had a release date attached to it i don't think it did but again this is coming to disney plus December 2020 is when the first episode is scheduled for. Also get a glimpse of, of Scarlet Witch in the old costume, which I, I think that might be the first time we've seen that. Is that true? Technically, yeah, I haven't seen that out, anywhere else. It's a very, very brief, brief look at it, but it, it's it's there. So be on the lookout for that. So yeah, WandaVision. Check out the trailer and we'll talk about it more soon when it comes out, I assume. Yeah, with that, we are wrapping up the news. We can move on to What Are You Up To Wednesday? And... I think I'm going to start this week. I haven't started in a bit, so I'm going to kick things off, and I'm going to talk about Lovecraft Country, and I'm trying to remember if I talked about this last week, but still watching Lovecraft Country. I actually caught up now where we're doing an episode a week, so it's going to be a while that I'm watching this, but it's spooky, guys. It's spooky. It's kind of, it's it's gory in like a, uh, a B-movie kind of way, but it also deals a lot with racial injustice in America. It takes place in the 1950s, and, and it's got uh, pretty much all black cast. And they, they, they deal with that a lot. So it's an interesting mix of, of Lovecraft horror and, and I guess the real life horror of, of being an African-American in 1950s America. I would advise checking that out if you're an HBO user. Been watching that. The other thing uh, is I'm officially now starting to really dig into Everspl- Everspace. I almost said Everspace, which is not real. Everspace Stellar Edition uh, on the Nintendo Switch. I'm really, really enjoying this so far. It's it's a different game than I'm used to playing. It's, it's a different game than I've ever played i think it's so this is ship combat but it's it's called a roguelike in space which i don't really understand i think that's a dnd term that i'm not super familiar with but basically you have to get from sector one to i, I don't know how many sectors there are sector seven you basically are doing space jumps to certain points in space and you're fighting enemies and gathering resources and trying to stay alive and you're doing this and trying to get to sector seven which is many many levels away and if you die, you go back to the beginning and you lose everything that you had and you you have money to spend to upgrade your pilot abilities and your ship abilities, but you don't you don't keep any weapons you got, you don't keep any resources you got besides money. So it's just a very interesting way, you know, every death is important, but the game is also kind of designed where you're gonna die. There's no way you're not gonna die, so it takes the stress away in that sense. And I'm really enjoying it. If you're a ship combat person, it's it's a very unique look. The story's not really anything, but it doesn't have to be. 
It can just be zooming around in space. I mean, Asteroids didn't have a story, as far as I know. So, I, so far, I'd recommend it, but I'll, I'll keep you all updated. Tactic. My guy, Tactic. What do, you, what do you got for us? So, the biggest, most interesting news for this last week is we were looking for something to play together, and we ended up picking up The Division, which has been out mm. for a very, very long time. Yeah, you probably and got that for like $5. Yeah. Well, it was free on gold, but I had actually, I had The Division, and I'd started playing it. And then I had no one to play it with at the time years ago. So then I just stopped. The Division is a game that I love, 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 love the idea of. But I don't know if, if the execution would be for me, especially since I often like solo play. And I, that game's literally not designed for that. The biggest takeaway from one, the game's the game's fun. The The thing I hated most is that headshots don't work in it for whatever reason. You can hit them right in the head. No problem. And they it doesn't take any damage. They just go, oh, my gosh, someone's shooting at us. It, it, the enemies are bullet sponges. It's a lot like Borderlands, I would say. But even okay, Borderlands yeah. took headshots. Like you would at it, least it, take damage. It takes, it, yeah, it takes headshots, but they might not die. Now it's be like, ah. No, they don't. You're like, the ah. first shot, it doesn't initialize any like depleting of health until the first shot has already been fired. So, so you're saying you they can't have to snipe. be engaged in combat. Yeah, so you don't get right. any advantages for the first headshot. You might as well just shoot you know this guy and go, okay, I'm here, guys. Yeah, no element of surprise. That's it. That's interesting. But other than that, the game's the game's fun. The one thing that I challenge all of our listeners to do is to watch on YouTube the opening scene to the game. Especially in 2020, it is incredibly eerie. So go ahead yeah, and enjoy is, this that. Is, this is the Black Friday, the virus that hits on Black Friday, right? This is this is scary stuff. I remember the trailer for this game. Yeah, it's one of those things I'd actually forgotten that's what the game was about. And then we were watching the opening cutscene and I was like, oh... This is so timely, maybe too timely. Yeah. Do we want to do this right now? And then after the cutscene, like you just kind of bomb around and shoot bad guys. So you can kind of forget about that. But I'm not going to get into all the parallels, but there's a lot of parallels. So, so. is there a co-op story or is it, is it all taking place online? I mean, what's, what's the deal here? Yes and yes. Yeah. So we okay. have the two consoles. So I'm downstairs. Tectic is upstairs. But there is a story. Like there is a story thread that you're following. You're just doing the missions together. It's kind of like Destiny, almost. Oh, I see. Okay. Interesting. Well, that sounds cool. Good luck with that. Anything to add, or are we going to swing it over to, to the, the Nerd Bomber? We can swing it over. Swing it on over. Nerd Bomber, what do you got for us? Okay, so the first thing that I want to talk about is I bought the Upright Go, which is not a game or a book or a movie. It is a back posture corrector and oh gosh because i've been home so much and like normally when i'm in the office at my day job like i'm walking around a little bit more now for the most part i'm glued to my computer either in meetings or doing work with really no reason to walk around unless i'm getting a snack or saying hi to tactic or something hey. and so my back has been like i can just tell that i'm slouching all the time so there is a sale on the upright go which is this little this little device that you stick between your shoulder blades on your back. And it it works. It's actually kind of neat. It works all based on like relative angles. So you set it like you stand with correct posture and you set like your basis line. And then based on the angle of the device on your back, it tells you if you're slouching and then vibrates. And so it tells you to start. There's like training versus tracking and training. It vibrates every time that you start to slouch so that you straighten up. And it says, oh, you know, start using our recommended times and start with like eight minutes for the first day. And I'm like, eight minutes. I can do better. I'm going to do this for an hour. So I'm like very upright posture for an hour. And oh, my God, my back muscles must have like atrophied because I was in some serious pain last night. 
it was it was rough. So today I dialed it back to their recommended time of 15 minutes. But like I, I looked and it, it tells you when you when you have it off training mode and just in tracking mode, it tells you how much time you spend slouching. And it's kind of scary. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm already more conscious about my posture. So I think it's already starting to do its job. It's only been two days of me actively using it. But I do think about it a lot. And the fact that like my muscles hurt now when I'm slouching because I'm wearing this thing and like now my back muscles wanted to stay in that set position it's a decent device a little pricey for what it was i think it normally sells for like 80 but i got it for 30 so like it wasn't that much money out of my pocket so i figured it would be worth giving it a shot but so far so good you would have a field day with me i'll tell you (laughs) i you, you guys know i have terrible posture i mean hey might be something to think about getting i currently have what i think is tendonitis in one arm that no is idea. not good, how or why yeah i well and i don't really like i work out but like not that much not enough to get tendonitis that's for sure so i think i'm slowly wasting away over here as well i mean it's 2020 it's quarantine but what more could you ask <laughs> but any, anyways you had more you think you had more to say the one other thing is that i started playing tell me why which is the don't nod game that came out it's at xbox exclusive it's on game pass it's the episodic game it's got three different chapters and they showed it during a bunch of the xbox showcases in the last like six months or so and Ain't nothing but a heartbreak right ain't nothing but a mistake what oh oh yeah come on i did not Sing get that me. but i love it first thing i thought so uh, i'm sure that's not what it is though so go, go, go on it's it's a very i mean all of don't nod's games like life is strange kind of has dark elements this also is a very dark game i will say I, I don't know if i like this as much as i like life is strange the mystery has been very predictable so far like every time there's a twisty twist and that like at the end of each chapter because i'm two chapters in so i'm almost done but at the end of each chapter there's like a twisty twist cutscene, and it's supposed to take you by surprise and each time i've been like okay yeah i called that like 20 minutes ago and so twist wise i don't know if it's as as striking as they want it to be but the story is really interesting the characters are really interesting there's some mini games that i think i could do without like there's some busy work where you're literally in the storeroom of a store counting stock and i'm just like why why is this necessary right. like we could have cut out this 20 minutes that i'm counting stock in the back of the store but for the most part i think it's a pretty well done game it's only three chapters so it's not like a, a big commitment and i would say give it give it a try it, it touches on a lot of different social issues and a lot of familial issues and it's a very emotional story so it, it's been interesting and you can sing the backstreet boys i can't believe it, i didn't get that right away benefit. Yeah, well, now you're welcome because now I'm sure that's forever for you. (laughs) Okay, so today for the quiz, thank thank you to our Patreon. You know, I win and I get to host the quiz for the first time in how long? And what topic do y'all saddle me up with? It's mold, guys. We're talking about mold today. I do Uh, have to. I have to give the backstory on how this ended up. So for our patrons, every week we have we've had a few like write-in entries, but every week we pretty much we give like three or four options and our patrons vote in a poll and so this week we had scarlet witch was an option bethesda was an option and then i needed a third one and something very jarring happened so we were eating jello pudding cups and tactic it's like middle of the work day and tactic is like hey do you want some jello pudding cup and i was like i definitely want some jello pudding cup yep so it's a very creamy like extraordinarily creamy jello pudding cup thick 
and I'm eating and all of a sudden it's just like there's a chunk and I'm like, oh, this this is not right. So I look down in the cup and there is mold all over that bad boy, which means like, oh, yeah. and mold, mold propagates throughout like once yeah, you have mold in. on something that those spores they just they spread and so like we definitely we ate some mold and i freaked out because i'm allergic to penicillin and i know not all mold is pe- penicillin but like in the back of my mind i'm like oh my god this is this is how i go eating a jello pudding cup so i'm like wiping my mouth out and gargling and everything like that so i was like what could the third quiz topic be and i was like you know what I just was traumatized by some mold, so let's go with that. I just want to give you guys a little backstory of our difference in personal character. So while she's sitting there listerizing and and the whole night... You're still eating it. I'm sitting there with my yogurt, and to the point where she felt it necessary to say, don't eat that, there's mold in it, a second time. I mean, you're just sitting there. What does she expect? She might not... She might think you didn't hear her. They were wildly expired pudding cups. I guess I should be thanking you then, Nerd Bomber, for the quiz topic of mold, but I've got five questions in front of me here and a potential bonus, so may the best mold knower win, I guess. Mold is for the as, mold. As Nerd Bomber implied, there are many more different kinds of mold than just penicillin. How many different kinds of mold are there? That's our baseline question. Like and unique species or strains? I don't know what the difference between the two things you just said is. <laughs> just answer the question. Who goes first? Uh, it's you, after that sassy remark, it's you. Uh, I'm going to guess there are 437 different strain uh, species of mold. Dude, there is okay. definitely more than that. There's probably like a million, but I'm going to hedge my bet a little bit and say a thousand. Okay, so Nerbomber gets it. I've, you know, I've actually seen two different numbers in my brief mold research, but either way, uh, it's either over 10,000 or over 100,000. <laughs> I've seen both numbers equally as often, so someone might have dropped a zero somewhere, but either way, uh, Nerd Bomber takes it. 437? I, I, I mean, I guess the species strains thing really screwed you up, but... I don't Nerd even know if there are strains. <laughs> I think sp- there are. I don't know what right. it goes by. Does it go by strain or species? I think it goes by strain. It's a fungi. It's not a... I think species is only for animals, but I, I could know. be wrong about that. I'm not a scientist. Actually, I am a scientist, but I'm not a zoologist. How much does the U.S. spend on repairing mold problems per year? Okay, so this one's me. I'm going to say it's probably pretty you. hefty. Like, black mold is in a lot of old buildings, and you can't live with that stuff, so it has to be removed. I, I'm going to say it's like a billion dollars. It might even be a bigger billion-dollar industry, like probably like $100 billion, but I'm going to say $1 billion. Okay, and Tactic? Uh, $1.5 billion. Yeah, this is $73 billion, so... Tactic takes this one. Mold's a big problem, y'all. Mold often a result of water damage, which so you can kind of think about it that way. I think water damage is like responsible for a huge percentage of home insurance claims. But in any case, mold's a big deal, y'all. Be on the lookout for it. So we're tied up. And I just said be on the lookout for mold. What percent of homes, according to Harvard, are estimated to contain mold? Oh, I don't want to know this answer. You don't want to know this answer. I don't. Uh, I'm going to go... It's a staggering 53%. Okay. And our bomber? This is really difficult because I feel like most people hopefully keep up on this, but I feel like it's going to be like 75% or something that makes me really sad and scared inside. So you're going with 75? Yes. You just barely busted. That's a heartbreaker. 70% oh, uh, is what the estimate is. That's so, so terrifying. Takes the point. Yeah, it's, it's not great. I like to think it's it's in places that we don't know. It's not just like out in front of us, but either way. I know of secret mold. 
Could be mold in your walls. Uh, <laughs> Can we just hold elsewhere. on? Can we just recap on the fact that Tactic just looks at me and says really quietly, I know of secret mold. Where? Where in our house is the secret mold? I'm going to want to hear about that, but we'll, we'll do that offline. Hey, we all have secret mold now and again. Okay, so moving into question four, it's Tactic with the lead. On average, how many hours does it take for mold to begin to grow? I thought it was somewhere along the lines of 36 hours. I feel like those bad boys can grow faster than that. I'm going to say give them 12 hours and they'll sprout little fuzzies. Nah, it's too short. It's actually 48 hours. And scientists from the CDC recommend that you wipe down surfaces at least every 48 hours to prevent mold from spreading. I think it's actually wiping down wet surfaces, but I got like a million wet Otherwise, the anti-flood industry would be out of business if it was that fast. But I do believe it is 48 hours. And to finish things out, uh, we have another recommendation. So, so Tactic is doing a victory lap now. There's only one question left, and he's got three points. So sorry to say, Nerd Bomber, you flubbed it. Uh, womp, womp. What, per- what percent relative humidity should your home be kept under to avoid mold growth? Of course, moisture is a big deal for mold. So there's a recommended percent relative humidity to keep your home under. Now, I would be good at this one because I actually know what the relative humidity in my house is thanks to my new thermostat. That's literally what I'm thinking of. What's our, what's our relative humidity year-round? My new thermostat got a smart thermostat. I should have added that to my update. That was a fun home improvement project that I frankly messaged Tactic about over the weekend asking for help. I didn't need his help. I figured it out. Was I right? can't remember what you said, but there was right, a blown we'll fuse in the <laughs> furnace control board. And that was the problem. Do I go first? I don't know. Yeah, uh, you do. Yeah, I'll go first because it doesn't matter. I'm going to say 55% or lower. Okay, so that's wrong. That is too low. You want to be below 80%. So Nerbomber saves some face here. She actually almost got it right on the money. It's 60%. So if your house is any more humid than that, you you got secret, as Tactic would call it, secret mold. <laughs> so. Got to keep them alive somehow. That's why I keep it up at 80. Be, be, be on the lookout for secret mold. Uh, yeah, that's why you're keeping your house at 80% humidity. Jeez, it looks like a sauna in there. No, we, we keep our house at 55 in the summer, and then probably in the winter it goes down to like 35 to 40, because my guitar dry. needs to be hydrated. So, boy. Tactic takes the win, and he can share that proudly with his secret mold offline. <laughs> and we've worked, but hey, we're all winners here. We've all just endured, not endured, enjoyed a wonderful podcast amongst friends talking about tech news scarlet witch news and mold of course so uh we hope you enjoyed listening we hope you had a good time with us and it'll come back along next week you can go listen to some of our older episodes you can leave us an apple podcast review you can hit us up on patreon twitter all the places we mentioned but whatever you wind up doing we thank you for being here and we look forward to talking with you again next week have a great night